We're going to go to Luke's gospel, and we're going to begin reading the first, for first chapter, and we're going to read verses 5 through 17. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through uh, uh, 17, and uh, it's on the screen there. If you don't have your Bible handy, uh, it'll be on the screen there for you. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the customs of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell on him. But the angel said unto him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. The last part of it says to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. By the grace of God, I want to speak to you on a subject titled today, Making Preparations for His Coming. Making Preparations for His Coming. Let's pray. Lord, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for the tremendous spirit that we have felt in, the, in, in your midst today. Thanking you, Lord, for what you've done. You've already touched people's lives. You've already made a difference. And now for the next few moments, I'm asking God for you to lay your anointing upon this messenger. Give me the words to the, uh, speak to the people. And that if there's any others today who has a need in their life, who hasn't given their heart to you, I pray they will make that commitment today. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. Now that Thanksgiving has come and gone, although Thanksgiving should never end, you're in bad shape if you only celebrate Thanksgiving one day a year. Amen. Thanksgiving ought to be 24-7, 365. Hallelujah. Amen. But now that all that festivity and uh, uh, some of you still might be eating leftover turkey, I'll feel for you if you are, hallelujah. 
Man, I got to where I couldn't stand turkey hash, my Lord. But um, anyway, all that is uh, ended. The world is headed full speed toward Christmas with all the commercialism and sales hype the secular world can muster up. Isn't it amazing that just, well, for some people, not even one day because they started what that Black Friday, a lot of places on 6 o'clock on Thursday night. But I think it's amazing that some people can celebrate uh, at 12 and to 1 or 2 o'clock being thankful and then by 6 o'clock that night out at the mall trying to trump on somebody to get that deal. That kind of cancels out the other thankfulness, don't it? Hallelujah. But that's the way the world is around uh, the celebration of Christmas. But let me tell you something, church. Christmas is not about tinsel, colored lights, and Christmas trees and gifts. That's not what it's all about. It's about the birth of a Savior, the Messiah, King of Kings, and the Word of God made flesh. Hallelujah. That's what it's about. The prophets have foretold his coming for thousands of years, giving so precise details that there is no way any reasonable person could deny the one who was foretold to come was in fact no other but the Lord Jesus Christ, King of glory. Hallelujah. I mean, look through the Old Testament. It is all so precise, everything that was prophesied. Before the birth and advent of the first coming of the Lord, uh, as with any dignitary, dignitary or royalty who's planned to come, there had to be re uh, preparations. Amen. Uh, when there's going to be a king or a president from some other world, country, come to America, you know, there's all kinds of preparations that has uh, to uh, to go on, and uh, and they prepare, amen, for all of those things. And so, uh, as kind of like that, uh, when there's a planning of somebody like that coming, but because uh, the kingdom of the Lord was a spiritual kingdom, the preparations must be spiritual preparations. Hallelujah. Amen. Because... The, uh, the kingdom of the Lord in his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. The preparations that you and I got to make are spiritual preparations. When Jesus Christ came the first time, they didn't roll out a red carpet for him. Hallelujah. When he finally came riding in Jerusalem, he, he, he wasn't riding a white stud. Hallelujah. He came, he came on the donkey. Hallelujah. He was born in a stable and laid in a manger. Amen. So all the pulp and the circumstances that goes on in the natural world didn't have nothing to do with Jesus. Hallelujah. And the reason why his kingdom was a spiritual kingdom. Hallelujah. And so there had to be spiritual preparations. A man who was a prophet, a messenger, and the Bible also called him a voice crying out in the wilderness was the one ordained to pave the way and prepare the hearts of the people for the coming of the king. His name was John. And according to the flesh, 
He was a cousin of Jesus. He was ordained for a purpose. Hallelujah. Now follow me. I'm going to take you somewhere with that. John the Baptist was ordained for a purpose. And when that purpose was fulfilled, he was called out of here. He was called away. Once his purpose was fulfilled, there was no reason for him to be here any longer. Today, we in like manner are in anticipation, awaiting the second coming of the Lord of glory. Everybody, I've been, I've been ministering for well over 40 years and I have never heard as many people talk about the end of time and the coming of Jesus like they're talking about it now. People even in the world that don't even believe in the Lord are talking about things winding up. Hallelujah. So we are in anticipation today. Prophecies are being fulfilled right and left. I mean, it's amazing what all we're seeing transpire in the world today. We're awaiting the second coming of the Lord. And once again, preparations need to be made before he comes. Hallelujah. But it does not fall to one man alone this time to cry out. Because at that time, he came only, the Bible says, to the lost tribe of the house of Israel. Hallelujah. He, did, he came unto them. The Bible said he came unto his own, and his own didn't receive him. This time, it's not just the lost tribe of Israel, but it's the whole world. And it's not going to fall just to one man to cry out. It is the voice of the bride crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. And just like John, once our purpose is complete, we're going to be called out of here. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. The church of the living God today, amen, which the Bible calls the bride of Christ. Amen. There's a voice going across the land and people are responding right and left. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm amazed at what's going on behind the prison bars. Amen. With Brother Joe and Brother Joseph out there. Amen. How many lives are being touched, changed, hallelujah, and being rebuilt. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, sometimes I think, I said, Lord, amen, I don't really understand all this because I'm not doing anything any different than I was in 1991 when I first took over as pastor of this church. Amen. But now, amen, we're still worshiping, we're still praying, we're still preaching, but people are coming in. They're being, their lives are being changed. And the reason why that is the door is fixing the close to the Gentile dispensation. Hallelujah. Jesus is soon to come. Amen. And you don't have much time to get yourself prepared and ready. Mm. The church all over the world is calling out. And once we have finished our purpose... We're going to be called out, just like John so long ago. Now, we want to look just a little bit about to John the Baptist. We need to look at how John prepared the people back then so we can gain understanding of what it will take to prepare ourselves today in this hour. Remember, his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. So spiritual preparations must be made 
to make ourselves ready. There's a lot of deception in the world. You've got to be careful what you listen to. You've got to be careful of what you take heed to. Even this preacher standing right here, I have been minister for some of you for many years, but you should still never take the word of something that Brother Sammy says just because Brother Sammy said it. Because listen, there's only one God and I'm not him. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You check what I tell you by the authority of the word of God. If it's not thus saith the Lord, it's not worth a plug nickel. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. There are people today coming up with all kind of stuff. They cheapen grace by trying to tell, tell you grace is pretty much a license to do what you want to, and that is a barefaced lie of the depths of hell. Grace in all of its beauty, amen, does not mean I can live the way I want to live and still be all right. Hallelujah. Amen. Belief and faith is important. But just believing and having faith, amen, it's not going to be enough for you to have your preparations. Hallelujah. Anybody remember the story of Noah? Let me see your hand if you remember about what happened to Noah. Noah built a boat, amen. God spoke to him and told him he's going to send a flood of waters. And you know what? The Bible also said before that time there had never been no rainfall as of yet. He ain't never saw it rain, much less flood. Can you imagine over there in Mesopotamia? And it's basically back then the same way it is now. There's a lot of desert over there and it's very dry, humid area. Can you imagine how, amen, to the world, ridiculous that man must have seen out in the middle of nowhere building a boat? Think about it. Somebody who wants to get by the easy way, amen, they say, oh, but do you know, Brother Sammy, don't you remember that scripture that the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? That's right. He did find grace. And this is how the grace came to Noah. God gave Noah grace by telling him ahead of time how to get ready. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because even if God had, if God had told him, amen, if Noah hadn't got out there and worked on that boat, he would have drowned like everybody else. It wasn't his faith only that saved him. It was faith along with his works. And any devil will tell you you don't have to do nothing believe. Isn't that that a devil? You better start checking what the book says so you can get prepared. It's the truth anyhow. Making preparations for his coming. What did John do to help get the people ready? Number one, John preached repentance. Hallelujah. If there's anything as a pastor concerns me more, it is this. We live in a different world. Minds, people's minds, I don't understand. They don't think the same as they used to. 
folks, there is no way that, that you can prepare for the coming of the Lord, for his second coming, without repentance in your life. John the Baptist was a preparer of the Lord's first coming, just like the church is preparing the world for his second coming. As John said, repent. You and I have got to do the same thing to prepare today. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Glory to God. If you don't repent, you're not going to be prepared. And if you're not prepared, you won't be ready. And if you ain't ready, you're not going to be called up when he comes. I don't care what a good person you are, how good a person you are, don't have nothing to do with it. How did he there's got to be a true repentance in your life. Hallelujah. The first step in preparing for the coming of the Lord is repentance. There are millions of people who attend church who have never repented. Many still think that God will accept their small religious acts of kindness or worship in the place of a real life-changing act of repentance. But for you to be prepared for his return, there must be a sincere, honest, life-changing repentance in your life. I'm here to tell you something today. If you ain't changed your way of living, hallelujah, you hadn't repented. And if you ain't repented, you will be lost. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to be mean or hateful. There's a whole lot of little things that me, myself, and I, us three, had rather be doing sometimes than doing what I'm doing right now. But I got a mandate. I got a mandate in my life. And recently, God has been warning me in the spirit in my prayer time. Hallelujah, to declare it more that Jesus is soon to come. You got to be ready when he gets here. You're not going to have time to prepare once he splits those skies. So there's got to be repentance. John the Baptist told the people that they had to repent. Now let me, let me tell you something. I, I want to clear everything up right now. A lot of people have a wrong idea about what repentance is. Hallelujah. Amen. Repentance, number one, is not a feeling of guilt. Some people think just because they feel guilty over something, that's repentance. No, a feeling of guilt is not repentance. There are many people who live in a state of guilt or shame all their life but never yield their life to, to surrender and repentance toward God. Hallelujah. Just because you feel guilty over something don't mean that you've repented unto God and you've gotten your preparations made. And here's another thing. Repentance is not conviction over sin. Oh, every time I come to that church and I see that little short, fat preacher preach, man, it just shakes me up inside. 
I, I just, oh man, I just can't hardly stand it sometimes. He steps on my toes so hard. Amen. Young man, you, you don't see too many guys like him behind the pulpit preaching like he's doing. And I just get convicted. Well, it's great that you get convicted, but conviction is not repentance. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. It's the truth. Here again, there are many who feel convicted over something wrong in their life, but they ignore the feeling because deep down inside they are not willing to surrender their will to the will of the Father. Hallelujah. And the longer, and listen to me now, and the longer they ignore their conviction the easier it becomes because they are not convicted into repentance. Finally, they never notice the conviction because they have seared their conscience. Or in other words, they have become numb to the Spirit of God. The final step is becoming deceived by their sin because it tells them that they're all right because they don't feel conviction no longer. That's a dangerous state for anybody to be in. Believe me, folks. God said, my spirit should not always strive with a man. And if God is speaking in your heart, and listen, you know when he's speaking to you, that, that still small voice, that's something down there, amen, down deep inside that says, yeah, amen, that person up there singing that song, they're, they're right, or that person giving a testimony, or that preacher, he's right. I feel that, hallelujah. If you... Amen. Have uh, uh, been convicted by the Lord, and He knocks at your heart. You better heed that, because you're going to walk over that to one time too many, and sooner or later, somewhere down the road, you will no longer feel that conviction. Hallelujah. Amen. And you're going to be on dangerous territory then. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians, chapter seven, verses ten through ten and eleven. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourself. What indignation and what fear. What vehement desire. What zeal and what vindication. And all, all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is a whole lot different than feeling sorry because you got caught. How many times have we seen those beloved politicians stand up there in that press conference with that, that, that poor, poor wife having to stand there beside Beside him, and he talks about, I'm so sorry for this. And I sit there and watch my TV. I says, yeah, you're so sorry about it, but if you hadn't got caught, you wouldn't be on the TV talking about it today. 
See, that's not the godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Hallelujah. You're going to feel conviction in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And it's going to make, hallelujah. Oh, you, you're going to feel like a miserable, low-down ranch. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Before you can get saved, you got to get lost. A lot of people don't believe they're lost. You can go down here and walk down the streets of Nashville today, and you start asking people questions, and it will be hard to find somebody to say they're not a Christian. Hallelujah. So we got to get ourselves lost long before we can get saved. we got to realize the condition that we are in. So John the Baptist preached repentance. Did he stop there? No. He didn't stop there. John preached water baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Hallelujah. John didn't just stop at repentance. Amen. He carried it on to baptism. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to tell you today, church, even though I tell you with love and compassion, it still angers me intensely when I hear a religious preacher or a religious teacher belittle and deny the importance of water baptism in the plan of God's salvation. Most people will tell you that it's not needed for salvation. But think of the millions who will be rejected at the judgment because preachers have rejected the full gospel. It's a truth anyhow. Oh, oh, brother Sammy. Oh, but aren't you glad for Jesus shedding that blood? Yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. I understand that without the shed blood, there ain't no remission of sin. But can I tell you today that blood wasn't the only thing that Jesus shed at the cross because a soldier come along and speared him, amen, in his side. And the Bible said, out with come blood and water. Hallelujah. It's the blood and it's the water and the spirit that transforms a life. Baptism is not an option. It's a commandment. A commandment you must obey if you desire to be prepared for his return. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For how did they know they people had gotten the Holy Ghost? What's it say? What, what was the sign? What was the evidence? Hallelujah. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as we have? Verse 48, And he 
told him it might be a good idea to be baptized. He said, you know, you got this option if you want to, but if you, if you, you, if you sisters had just been down to the beauty parlor and paid $30 or $40 to get that new hairdo, you won't have to be baptized. We'll let that slide. Is that what he said? My, 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 hallelujah. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay on a few days. Oh, hallelujah. Baptism is not an option. Hallelujah. It's a command. Hallelujah. One thing that will prove to me that somebody has never repented is that person who refuses to follow the Lord in the next step. Amen. In water baptism. Because that is part of the plan. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He commanded them to be baptized in the name, all oh, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. You see, not only is baptism a command, but, but there, there's, there's, there's certain criteria involved. Hallelujah. Listen, I, I got some good friends. Amen, and, 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 and brother, and I love, amen, and some, and some other denominations, the Methodist church being one. And uh, uh, it's kind of sad. One time a Methodist preacher invited a Pentecostal over to preach for him one Sunday morning. And uh, the preacher got up there, and he was just preaching away. And, you know, like somebody brought me the bottle of water a few minutes ago, and I mean... Uh, they Pentecost knows how hot and red faced these, these preachers get sometimes, and I, I have to take a swig of something every now and then. Hallelujah. So this one preacher got involved, invited to go to the Methodist church, and he got up there and uh, on, on another little smaller stand sitting right there. Amen. There was a gold goblet and uh, had a handkerchief hanging over it, and he, he, he just naturally thought that was a glass of water. And... Uh, so he preached, and he took that handkerchief and threw it off and picked that goblet up and took a big old drink of that water. Well, one of the brothers back says, Oh, Lord, here goes our baptism today. You see, when you repent of your sins, the old man or the old woman dies. That person don't exist any longer. And when somebody dies, it's only natural you take them out to the graveyard and you bury them. Hallelujah. And when you take them out there and lay them down, you, do, you don't just take a handful of dust and just sprinkle them. Now, sometimes people get up and they'll drop it down there in a little ceremony to do, but then they break out the big shovels. They, they don't just throw, sprinkle a little, little, little on there. Hallelujah. They make sure they're buried. You got to be buried. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody that ain't buried in baptism, all things are going to happen a little later in their life. They're just going to cause a big stink. Hallelujah. It's going to come. But you know what? And it's also important. Jesus is the one who came to this earth, bled and died for me, paid for my salvation. Jesus is the one who says he's the bridegroom and I'm his, I'm his bride. 
Hallelujah. Now, I know we're living in a, in a, in a modern world today that things change and they're, they're, they're rearranging everything. Hallelujah. But, I, you know, I'm going to tell you, hallelujah, if I was, if I, if I was out looking, which I am, I am not looking, but if I was out looking, thinking of thinking about marriage, I would not marry a lady who would refuse to take my name. Hello, somebody. The church is the bride of Christ. And when we become married to him, we take on his name. He's the one who came to the earth. He's the one who bled. He's the one who died. Hallelujah. And so when we baptize people, we baptize in the name of the Lord. Somebody tell me what the name of the Lord is. Jesus. Because the Bible said there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. John preached baptism. Now, please understand this, and I'm going to move on. I'm fixing to close. Please understand this. As important as baptism in the name of Jesus is, it's not a cure-all. You follow me? Baptism is of no benefit or value when it stands alone without conviction and repentance. By conviction, I mean the Spirit calling you, and by repentance, I mean a total makeover change in your life. My Lord, if we had everybody serving God in church, that we have baptized since 1991. Not, 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 not going back to the time Brother Hale was pastor. This building would not hold them. One of the reasons why some people get, they get overzealous about the baptism. And remember what I told you a while ago? Out of his side came forth blood and water. Water alone can't save you. If you've not given your heart to the Lord, if you haven't repented of your sins, that water will not do you no good. Hallelujah. You just go down, you want, you're dry, when you come up, you're soaking wet. And that's about it. Hallelujah. Baptism. You, you're, you're making a covenant with God. You know what that covenant... Hey, listen. This ain't my notes, but I mean, I've got to follow the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. When you come to the Lord, you make agreement with Him. And this is what the agreement is. Douglas, when you come to the Lord, the Lord makes an agreement to you. I am going to take your sins and cast them in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you no more. I'll never remember. I won't even have it wrote down. How many times, amen, you uh, took a drink. Or I won't think about this sin or, or that sin or whatever it was in your particular life. God says, I'm going to forget that. I'm going to cast it in the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered no more. Hallelujah. Your part of the bargain is, amen, you repent of those sins, and repentance means you turn from them. You make a change. The Holy Ghost will help you 
the Holy Ghost will give you strength. Overcoming power. Hallelujah. You expect God to keep his part of the bargain, don't you? Don't you think he expects the same thing from us? Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. The last point in closing. I told you John preached repentance. He preached water baptism. And he also preached the need of living like you've been saved. Hallelujah. He preached the need of you living like you've been saved. Let me give you his words, Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. 7 through 10, excuse me. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 3, 7 through uh, 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, you know who, you know who the Pharisees and Sadducees are, were, don't you? They were religious people. Religious people gave the Lord more trouble than anybody else. Did, do you know that Jesus had, and you, 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 can't have a, you can't have a dirty fleshly mind here for what I'm fixing to say, but i tell you the truth. Jesus had rather go home and sit down and eat supper with a prostitute or a drug addict than he had a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees. Whoop, it's the truth anyhow. Hallelujah. So all those religious, and, and that's, let me tell you here, what we're trying to do today, I'm not trying to give you religion. The world is, if there's one thing that the world needs less of is religion. Hallelujah. We don't, we, we don't preach religion around here. We preach something else in, in place of that. It starts, with, it, it, it starts with an R too. Somebody tell me relationship you don't need religion you need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ hallelujah oh my Lord I mean I, I just feel his, I feel his presence here but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism he said to them brood of vipers next time you think pastor preaches a little too hard I ain't never called you a bunch of snakes yet Hallelujah. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. My, my, my. John says, he said, you start living like you've been saved. Hallelujah. You start living like, show me some fruits. Prove to me by your fruits. The Bible says by their fruits you're going to know them. Hallelujah. Don't think to yourself, we got Abraham as our father. For I say unto you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I got more, but I'm going to cut it off right there. Listen to me. To be prepared for his coming, we must devote our lives to righteousness, holiness, and 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 godly living in order to please him who has saved us and delivered us from darkness into his glorious light. 